Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, Floys Rising. I'm Sabretooth, I collect NFTs for a living, and with me is Kizu, who's a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk about the business of creating, collecting, and analyzing NFTs. We interview artists, collectors, and other interesting people in the NFT space. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Law is Rising with Kizu and I today. We have a special guest, Josh Pierce. Tell us, Josh, how did you get into NFTs? So I was introduced to it, to NFTs through Nifty Gateway. I've been... Meaning they contacted you or how? Yes. So Nifty Gateway contacted me in November of last year. And I've been a longtime fan and friend of people. We work in the same software We've talked over the years. I've met him before. You know, he's always been a, a really cool guy. And I'm, I've been following his work for a long, long time, probably since 2012 or so when he started doing every days. So anyway, Tommy reached out to me. Tommy uh, Kimmelman from Nifty Gateway reached out to me and said, you know, hey, like we have this new technology. Would you like to like drop some work on our platform? And I was like, so what's this all about? And he's like, well, it's basically a way for, you know, digital artists to to make unique copies of their work. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, do I keep royalties? <laughs> I mean, these are the things I was concerned about in the beginning. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's something that's come up more as the NFT space is involved. So I jumped in and I was like, cool, let's do it. And he said, okay, great. We can schedule you in three months. <laughs> um, and I was like, all right. And then I kind of, you know, I just kept my eye on it and I ended up, diving deep in around December of last year. And then I minted my first piece, I think in January on Super Air. So my Genesis actually dropped on Super Air. I contacted them once I saw like some of my other friends dropping art, my Instagram friends, my other artist friends uh, dropping art on Super Air. And I, I was like, oh, this, this, this seems cool. You know, I just thought it was a cool thing to do. And like, I'm always trying to do different things to try and like, you know, make a living out of my art. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like maybe I could sell some, sell some of my stuff. Like that's, that's the dream, you know, <laughs> is to just create art and sell it. So that's how I got into it. The yeah, Nifty Gateway and Super Rare around last year, Zach and Tommy uh, were the guys who helped me out. As you know, an artist who obviously made work that was quite independent of the kind of so-called medium native aspects of, of crypto art. And, and by that, I mean, like, you know, like with the trash artists, they tended to make art that address certain the history of the development of the medium and things like that. But your art and maybe arguably Beeple's as well evolved kind of so-called off-chain, right? Like it didn't really mm -hmm. depend on, on that kind of relationship to the medium or the format. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was wondering, you know, as that kind of artist, do you see kind of like different value or like art historical value to the different types of work in the sense that, you know, I think a lot of people might say, well, the trash artist and the generative art is, is medium native. It's very, um, it could only have been made on, you know, in, in this, you know, last year, this year, in this kind of context. And yet we're seeing that there's room for many different types of, of art that have their market and their audience. So I was wondering yeah, how you yeah. saw that kind of diversity in, in the scene, so, so to speak. I was thinking about how in some ways, like the style that I work in, which is like, you know, heavily influenced by artists around me, like people, 
and a few other people also. I always mention Joey Camacho from Raw and Rendered <laughs> and just the other people who were doing like, like the technology that came like, you know, uh, <laughs> it started up, I guess, probably around 10 years ago was, was like social media, right? Like that's when social media was like blowing up and it birthed this entire movement of artists that were doing every days. So like people started it. I mean, he, I don't know if he started it, but like he was one of the people that was there in the beginning of doing every days. And there's this kind of like movement that grew up around social media, you know, Tumblr, Instagram, even Facebook, Reddit, where artists were just like, I'm going to challenge myself to like create something every day. And like that, along with like the technology of Cinema 4D and Octane render engine sort of started to like sculpt these artists into these styles and into these categories, you know, and I hopped on that train and like, I'll, you know, I will, I will freely admit that like, you know, a lot of my stuff is, I wouldn't say derivative, but like certainly influenced by these other artists. Stuzor is another one who was making every days when I started. Um, he's got an incredible body of work. He's got a very distinguished style. He's just a great guy. And he's somebody who hasn't really gained the same kind of traction in the uh, NFT world. But there's, you know, there's a list of, there's a list of probably like 25 Instagram artists that were doing the same kind of stuff that people and I were doing um, and have been doing it for four or five plus years. So we kind of, as a collective, have been influencing each other for a long time. And we bring our own themes and we bring our own ideas to the table. And then as we work, we evolve our own aesthetics. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that the work that I create could have been created in a vacuum either. The fact that it's digital lends itself to blockchain. <laughs> Josh, let me um, let me get pretty like geeky and, and nerdy and, and let's talk about the tools that you're using and, and how that's, that's going <laughs> to evolve over time. You know, things like After Effects, Cinema, Cinema 4D, Octane, mm -hmm. like all these tools that the 3D artists, render artists use. You know, these tools are constantly being updated. And since you've been sort of creating and using these tools for, for a long time, you've gone through many different versions and iterations. And I'm just wondering how what you create today might not have been possible with, say, Cinema 4D of 10 years ago. The stuff that we create today or that everyone's like, wow, this is absolutely amazing, like the best. I mean, I think it's pretty likely that in however many years time, you know, as the tools advance, that that would become kind of like anyone can do it just because the, the tools have sort of advanced. I mean, how do you think about that in terms of art, right? Because we don't really think about art in terms of this is pretty good for its time, but something will come along in a few years that would just like make this sort of ordinary. But then it's kind of not ordinary because it was created in a time where this was great. I've been using Cinema 4D for a long time. I started in 2001 in undergrad school. Some of the stuff I'm really, really proud of, you know, looks like early Pixar. You know, if you go back and look at like Toy Story <laughs> uh, or Monsters Inc. even, you can see like the the evolution of of 3d rendering i've always been type of person that like has been want has always wanted to create landscapes you know <laughs> i've always loved the mood of landscapes i've always loved doing landscapes and i would draw and paint and and none of it was like exceptionally good <laughs> you know 
And so, you know, the tools that I was working with as an artist, as a, you know, as a working artist, you know, coming from a graphic design, motion graphics background, I, you know, I, I've been doing like mostly, you know, hard surface stuff, mostly industrial looking, very man-made types of scenes, you know, because that's what, that's what really was, the software was able to shine doing. And then like in the early 2000 teens, more stuff started coming out with physically based rendering, um, which is like much more highly accurate, you know, it's this kind of um, unbiased rendering technology, which I don't understand too much about it. I just know that it's, it's extremely powerful. And also the GPU based rendering, which was incredibly fast. And so, you know, Octane started coming out like 2015 when it really hit and the shift in power <laughs> and speed and ability to create on the fly was absolutely monumental. The shift was incredible between pre-octane and, and post-octane. And suddenly, you know, I was able to create all of these things that I had in my head that I had wanted to create before. But I was also in a position where like, I knew the tools underneath it really, really well already. I just didn't have the the render engine, you know, <laughs> to, to make it all happen. So I immediately just like picked it up and just threw everything I had into it and, and started creating these alien landscapes and these fantasy worlds and a lot of sci-fi stuff to like sci-fi and, and fantasy stuff in the beginning and just making landscapes and, and getting into world creator and, and world machine and doing terrain sculpting, just doing all these things that like I had dreamed about doing for a long time, but just never thought that I would own a computer that could handle it. <laughs> you know, if you look at art historically, what is celebrated, what's in the books, you know, what's in history books is the first comers, you know, <laughs> the people who get there first, you know, nobody's going to put somebody doing Renaissance oil painting into an art history book today, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's just, you know, it's just not there, you know. I always look at it this way, like what has historical significance in art is things that people have never seen before and that people has, no one has ever thought to do before, you know, and it's kind of like that old, you know, that old cliche of like, well, we're going to close the patent office because everything's been invented already. You know, the reason it's so significant is because like, it's actually so hard to do something that no one's ever thought of because no one's ever thought of it, you know, and you don't, you have no idea what it is, you know, until you see it and you know that it's new and you go, oh my gosh, this is actually something different. You know, this is actually something I've ever seen before, you know, then it's like, oh, okay. And then everyone tries to copy it, you know? <laughs> um, but that's the significance I think in art is, is kind of like this reaching out into the unknown to pull in something, you know, from the creative muse that, that comes from like this higher plane and, and bringing it, birthing it into the world. And then everyone's like, wait, this is new. You know, you know, I think that's what gives something significance. What to your mind would constitute originality in, in the NFT space? And, or do you think that's even possible to, you know, you just have to like take it by a case by case basis and kind of look at like, you know, because my work falls into a category of like, probably 25, 50, 100 artists that were like doing this kind of work at this time. You can find 
examples of that, like throughout history, artists who were doing the exact same thing as Picasso at the exact same time as Picasso, you know, who, <laughs> who are relatively unknown today. And I think like, it can be a little unfair sometimes that people don't get the recognition they deserve. But also, you know, this kind of gets to your question about originality. You know, I think ultimately a true artist, right? <laughs> like a Picasso understands, I don't know if he ever expressed this, don't quote me on this, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> understands on some deep level that while his work was recognized and maybe someone else's wasn't, none of it really belongs to us. You know, <laughs> I think like a, a real artist, a true artist understands that like this, this work, it comes from somewhere else, you know, on a level of creative expression and on a level of, for lack of a better word, spiritual communication, <laughs> these ideas, these themes, the emotions, the connection that an artist conveys through their work to the audience um, isn't between, you know, the audience and the artist, you know, ultimately it's, it's really between the artist and the audience and, you know, and the universe, you know, if you want to call it that, but it's some greater creative force where these things come out of, because I think like everyone who's created a masterpiece at some point, uh, will say, you know, oh, you know, we just kind of sat down and it just came out, you know, we didn't have a grand plan, Stairway to Heaven or whatever, you know, <laughs> like these like masterpieces. They don't sit down with like an outline and a spreadsheet and say like, okay, we need to play this, <laughs> you know, it's it's this kind of creative process that happens and no one really understands it. And so to, for an artist to really claim ownership over it is a bit hubris, you know, in my opinion. <laughs> so I think like when it comes to originality, like it has to do with more to do with process than anything else. Because if you're exercising this kind of rigid control, you know, over your creation, like I said, like sitting down with a spreadsheet and a calculator and like coming up with some kind of formula to like, and maybe there is a way to do that, that, that does, <laughs> that does create something beautiful. But yeah, I think it's about the process. I think it's about letting go, like surrendering to the creative process and trusting some deeper energy other than our own minds, you know, and then what comes out, you know, can be recognized by others as something truly original. And that can only really happen if it, if it doesn't come from the mind, it comes from the heart. How do you see your NFT career and how do you, you know, I'm juxtapose that between, you know, being a, a working artist working for the NFL versus your NFT career? I um, actually don't work for the NFL anymore. I was a, I was freelance art director for them for six years. And um, this season I'm taking off from uh, working with them. I think of like myself as someone who's going to be continuing to create art for as long as, as long as I'm around, you know, I think that that gives my work some kind of, you know, some kind of foothold in the art community where people know that like my work is going to be around. They're going to continue to, to be an artist and, and to have something about public face, you know, for the foreseeable future, as long as I'm around. And so, you know, I guess like the platforms, I like them. I like super air, like Nifty gateway. I've got I've got a drop coming up on Nifty Gateway that is going to be a collector's only drop, which is basically like people are going to be able to, uh, whoever's 
basically whoever's holding, you know, each of my first first three drops are going to be getting a reward piece based on, you know, which pieces they hold. And, and the concept is basically like uh, that it's going to be called uh, transmutation. And so it's kind of like the evolution of like, if you held something from my portals collection, you're going to get this piece that, that calls back to the concept and themes in portals. If you held something from my journeys collection, you know, the piece is going to call back to the journeys collection. And same thing with the beyond piece. Was this something you did in collaboration with Nifty Gateway or was it something that you had been thinking about? How did it come about? Conceptually, like I'll tell you a secret. I got the idea. I mean, I got this like flash insight inspiration from the board ape mutants, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, it was really cool how they took something that like people already loved and then said like, what if we evolved this idea, you know, and and I was like, oh, that would be really cool to like to do reward pieces like based on the previous drop, you know, because it like calls back to the original themes, you know. And then I started thinking about that from like a deeper level. And I got, you know, involved into this whole idea about transmutation and, you know, turning the struggle into something beautiful, which is like what we do every day, you know. Um, that's what life is all about, you know taking the struggle of life and, um, you know, turning it into something joyful. How important is art history to you? Or is it more important for you to engage with your contemporaries in the NFT space? I think for me, as a visual artist, visual art, I think, has gone, I don't know, this is just my personal opinion, but I think, like, visual art, like, you know, a couple hundred years ago was all about, like, creating things that were beautiful. And if it wasn't beautiful, people didn't want to look at it, you know. And then in the 20th century, you know, it it was like, let's defy that, you know, like, let's, let's, let's throw that idea under the bus and like make ugly things, you know, (laughs) and make things that shock you and make things that turn you, you know, make you think about the world and make you think about, you know, your emotions and your feelings. And like, one of my favorite painters is, is Francis Bacon, the painter (laughs) and, and the way he captured emotions you know, in this very raw kind of way. And you can see like his influence later on like Basquiat and X copy. <laughs> if you, you want to go there, I want to create beautiful things. Like I want to create beautiful scenery. And that's sort of like, that's sort of not done in the art world right now. You know, mm-hmm. like I want to create beautiful landscapes with these, you know, abstract energy forms and these beautiful reflections, and these peaceful scenes, you know, that's what I want to do. <laughs> you know? And that's not really, that doesn't really fly in the modern art world. And I don't really care, you know, because that's what I want to make. And that's what I've been drawn to create, you know. How do you see, I guess, the current, because I know that you're a collector as well, because I mean, you have a public sort of ENS, JPR studies, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a there's a huge variety of, of, of things in there from, you know, stuff from sort of super rare and um, nifty gateway, but, you know, also... Uh, a wide variety of, uh, of of other NFTs, you know, ranging from cool cars to to Jivos from Kide to Wicked Craniums, the Dead Fellas and Mutant Apes that you kind of reference. How do you see them in the in that context? Like this period of sort of NFTs, you kind of made a very good analogy in terms of from sort of 18th century to 20th century. And how do you view like what's currently going on in in, in sort of NFTs? I think it's ridiculously fun, you know, I think we're like, you know, we're swimming in this soup of like technology and art and 
money, you know, <laughs> investments. And it's all really fun. And, and there's so many cool personalities and there's so many cool people. And I've met amazing friends. Like and I have like so many, especially like in my sort of like my sort of little zone of artists, you know, we've all sort of connected and, and gotten to know each other. And, you know, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to collect these things, to see the value go up, to like sell them, you know, make money. <laughs> it's just like a fun environment to be a part of. And so like whether or not things have historical significance, you know, is only going to be told by time. But that's kind of how I see it right now. I mean, I, I like to see cool, creative ideas, you know. You know, I like the cool cats and I like the dead fellows. I like the art in them, you know. I really like the board eight bars too. And I love the mutants that they put out. I like the art and I think it's really cool. And I'm just interested in kind of being a part of the whole thing as it's going on, you know. Um, that's that's how I feel about it. What's next after sort of transmutations? I've been doing NFTs exclusively now since February, since I uh, had my first Nifty drop. I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on my art now. You know, I had been doing, um, creating my my personal work and posting to Instagram for the last three years, uh, three and a half years now, I think. And I'm going to keep doing that. I mean, that's the heart of my creative process. That's the heart of my creative operation is this kind of sitting down and, and doing art as a form of kind of meditation, you know, where it's a, it's a daily practice, you know, to sit and create and then to share and to use social media and to like, not just connect with other people, but to also keep myself accountable that I'm constantly in a mode of creating, you know, and to put myself out there and to put the work out there, even if it stinks and I don't like it, you know, I just like throw it there and, and let it go, you know? that's been my process and I trust my process. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to continue with trusting my process and, and putting the art out. And as I do that, you know, projects roll in and people come up and want to do collaborations and want to do drops on different platforms and they have ideas and then they pitch them to me. And <laughs> I like kind of flying by the seat of my pants, honestly, <laughs> as an artist, I like just, going out there and seeing what shows up today and you know things have worked out you know that's that's part of trusting the process of like of like doing what i do and knowing that like it's gotten me this far and knowing that like you know uh, all i did was sit down and start making art you know and all of these things have grown out of it and it's all happened organically so you know i kind of trust that there is some stuff in the works i'm going to be i'm going to be in new york for nft nyc I'm going to go there and meet some friends and hang out and walk around and probably have a piece up somewhere. Um, but I haven't announced that yet. And then I don't know what else. Before we let you go, Josh, who is your favorite artist? The artist that had the most influence on me actually did drop some NFTs and I bought them. But one of the artists who had the most influence on me was Roger Dean. And he uh, created all the album artwork for the band. Yes, he also created a bunch of other album artwork for other prog rock bands. And he's just an incredible painter. And he does surreal fantasy landscapes. And like, that's like my jam, you know? <laughs> so when I was a teenager growing up, like I was just obsessed uh, with his work. And, you know, I still go back and look at Roger Dean's stuff. And sometimes I'll do like a little piece that's like a, that's like a callback or a tribute to him. And I've done a couple of them, but. You know, I have like some of his prints and I have books and 
I just love it, you know, and it's not like traditional art as much as I love, you know, looking through a contemporary art textbook, <laughs> you know, um, like I love his work, you know, I really love his work. And he did, he did drop some NFTs on, uh, on Nifty Gateway and I bought them and I don't know what the floor is like. I don't really care. I'm just happy I own them. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I can also say people, uh, you know, I know him a little bit i met him met him once he's just a super nice guy and we've chatted a little bit on on uh you know instagram and stuff and he's just an amazing cheerleader for every artist out there doing their thing just a great guy and i love his work and it's it's so cool and it's like very original and he's got this incredible mind and this incredible dedication you know obviously doing the everyday type of work was huge hugely influential on me so like he was such an inspiration in that way and in his success you know that's the kind of success that i would like to have you know he stands for his art you know and his art doesn't really have utility you know <laughs> and and that you know i think there's more of that rumblings amongst artists um that we we really would rather that our art stand for itself and not be viewed as a utility to I don't know, make money. And, uh, you know, and I, I think like that's, that's where I really would like to be. You know, of course I want my work to be valuable, but I, I also don't want to bend over backwards to try to generate value. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think the value is in the, is in the art itself. Josh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Boys Rising. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor Is Rising. You can reach out to us, send us a question, and just send us a DM on Twitter at Floor Is Rising. <laughs>